So, my name is Gerald Hernandez, and this is Drifting Pro-Am Podcast. And if you can go ahead and introduce yourself, sir. Sure. I'm Andrew Robertson, and better known as the Drifting Dad. On Instagram Uh, and YouTube, right? Yep. Gotcha. All right. Is there your little one in the background? Yeah, there is. Can you hear her? Yeah. (laughs) Loud and clear. Don't worry. My, I'm pretty sure okay. my son's going to call me anytime soon right now. Okay. Uh, is that any better? Uh, Now your quality went away. Oh, is the camera that gave you the better quality? Yeah, I think so. Is that better? Oh, way better. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Um, I so, may move if it's too much of an issue with background noise. No, it, I, I don't care. I'm not okay. the one that's going to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, All right. So, uh... Drifting Dad, uh, what do you go ahead and tell us how you got into drifting? What do you drive? What is that setup sure. like? Yeah, so I've got a 1985 Mazda RX-7, which if you're into RX-7s, you know is the FB model, so the first generation, mm. which is probably a pretty um, obscure or rare chassis to see drifting. So that's definitely something uh, that's a pretty interesting about me and then as far as how I got into drifting was it's kind of by accident uh when I was in college my roommate he bought a convertible S13 and we <clears throat> I got to drive drive it a couple times and then he was really big into drifting showed me that and I was I actually had the R7 at the same time as mm-hmm. him when I was living with him and I was just planning to like V8 swap it and well, originally it was just going to be a manual swap because it was a a 12A automatic and then that turned into a V8 swap and was just going to be kind of like a fun street car, autocross car. And then I kind of stumbled in, the build kept going on and on. I I got more interested in drifting. I moved to North Carolina and found out there was drifting really close to me and that's kind of how I started. So... And the first drift event was October 2016. So it's been just over a year. 2016? Wouldn't, wouldn't it be just over two years? Yes, just over two years. Sorry, okay. I forgot. It's 2019. <laughs> yeah, I was like, uh, yeah. It's a new yes, year. yeah, so just over two years. Um, and then, so what's done, to your, what's done to your FB? Um, exactly, like what motor package are you still rocking the... Uh, no, no, so the rotary is long gone. Uh, it's actually a LT1 from a 94 Chevy Caprice. Okay. So it's an iron block. It originally had iron heads on it. And then I uh, rebuilt it a couple years ago and did aluminum heads and a cam, uh, valve train upgrades, all that good stuff. Nice. And so as far as, yeah, go ahead. It's a 350, right? Yeah, 350, 5.7 liter. Okay. Uh, is, is displacement. And then as far as other supporting mods, so I've got some custom extended control arms, shortened knuckles. Uh, I had uh, custom coilovers set up on the front and then just Fox body Mustang shocks, which Where actually fit in the rear. Yeah. And... and um, just a uh, higher spring rate in the rear. Yeah, I, great. I have one. Yeah. Open it. What are they? 
<laughs> Grapefruits. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. No worries, but, man. Uh, I got a little um, one too. And then the, as far as the body, I've got the, obviously the fender flares and then 17 by nine inch wheels, which I think is kind of unique for FB as well. I know most people run 15s or 16s, but I wanted to go to the, the 17s for a larger uh, variety of tires that are pretty cheap. Yeah, actually, I actually actually like the way yours looks. I remember my dad had one of those when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. Had, like, Do you the, remember? The manual choke on it and stuff. You still there? Yeah, I don't know if that was you or me. I think it's my computer, to be honest. It's oh, okay. A sh- it's a shit did show. You, did you get everything I was saying? Nope. I got... Oh. I said something about the choke, and you said I drove the car, and you cut out. Okay, so, yeah, basically, I it, the funny story about that car is... I bought it without a title, um, which was kind of like a big no-no. Uh, That's sketchy as well. Well, yeah, I guess it's a big no-no. I mean, a lot of people, uh, like my friends that were in the car club uh, at school with me, were uh, not very optimistic that I was going to be able to get a title and everything. But I did actually end up getting a title. I have a title for it. Nice. And uh, I, uh, like I said, I only drove the car two times with the 12A. And it was very, very slow. And I, I don't know. I, I bought the car non-running too, so I don't know if there was like some tuning issues or whatnot. Uh, basically, it needed a new fuel pump, which I put on. But then I drove it like twice, and one time was driving it to the storage unit where I did the engine swap. Oh, you did an engine swap in a storage unit? Oh, I like half did it. So, um, yeah. But that's what happens when you. Uh, are in college and you're living in a house that's got a gravel driveway, no garage or anything. And the rental management property like explicitly told us not to uh, work on any cars or anything in the yard because we got in trouble for that. Yeah, that was one thing because I just moved into this house. That was one thing I was like super adamant on. Like I needed space to work on my car. Yeah. Because I can't afford to pay rent and pay somebody else to work on it. So yeah, exactly. Or <laughs> like nobody else doing it. <laughs> Pay to rent a shop or something, right? Yeah, that was the thing. It was like either live cheap in an apartment or just get a house and have the car at yeah. home. Yeah, and it was definitely nice having a house. I'm we're in a house now uh, that we were fortunately able to buy. So um, I've got a two car garage where I'm doing all my work, and that's kind of something. I don't kind of go on a tangent, but with my YouTube videos, I'm trying to show that you could still build like a nice, high quality car, pro am car, or whatever in your own garage do everything yourself you don't have to be going to pay some shop or anything and i just i really like that aspect of drifting and i want to showcase that more because i think some some places especially now with a lot of the youtubers they've got dude it cut out again you're gonna have to give me let me let me know (laughs) shit who's gonna keep doing that let me reset Everything. I want to do everything just in case. I'm gonna shut this damn computer off. I'm gonna call. Okay, yeah, just call me back. I'll be around. Okay, give me five. It shouldn't take longer than five minutes. Yeah. I hope this works this time. All right. Let's see. Fingers crossed. Yeah. This is what happened when I was trying to um, do an episode with Sam Bennett, and I think it ended up being my computer overall. I wonder if the network card or something's going out. I'm not too uh, too uh, computer savvy, so 
Yeah, me neither. So I have no idea. Who knows? But uh, I forgot what we were talking about. Your car. Yeah, I think my car. Um, I was talking about like swapping it in a uh, storage unit. Yes. And then we got, I think, talk, like my biggest pet peeve is definitely drift cars that are thrown together that don't have like a nice, like a nice workmanship, like no pride in the work that's done. That's kind of like, I guess, hack job or whatever you want to say. No, you would have hated my last car. <laughs> hated that thing. I didn't care for it. And, at and all. that only comes because um, I worked in like storage unit. I have to cut all this for like this ten minutes out right now. Okay, so storage <laughs> unit. You built it in the car. They didn't. Are you built it in the storage unit, and then you got in trouble for it? Well, yeah, I like half built it in the storage unit, and then finished it once I moved to North Carolina. So where were you at previously? So I went to school at Virginia Tech, which is I joined the car club there. I actually used to be a big motorcycle guy, and then. Switched to cars when I bought the ARC 7. Oh, okay. So that was like 2013, I think, I bought the ARC 7, or uh-huh. 2012, somewhere around there. And so it's at Virginia Tech at the car club, and that's where I like, definitely f- fell in love with cars and working on them. I mean, I was always in the cars, but I had never had really worked on anything until then. So and what is Virginia Tech? Is that like a... It's... um vocational school it's, no it's a uh, it's like the state it's one of the state uh universities for gotcha. virginia oh okay yeah. makes sense no it's not like specific for like uh welding or anything like that right or fabrication no no um but i did actually go to school as um a mechanical engineer which is where i got into like the whole designing and building your own stuff that would make sense yeah okay because i've seen those parts some of the parts you've made which right. actually look pretty stout. That's why I hit you up the other day, and I was like, "Where do I buy these things, and what are they called?" Yeah, yeah. No, if you don't know, if you were ne- wouldn't had never used them before, you'd have no idea what they were called. Yeah, so. I think the closest thing I knew was the heim joint. I didn't know what the heim joint screwed into. Yeah. yeah. So that's why I asked yeah. you. Um, I'm glad you did. So where? Yeah, did I'm you... all, I'm always willing to to help anyone out if they've got questions or whatever. I think that that's something that's really cool in car community and especially drifting and something I'm trying to do with my YouTube channel is just really to show people what I've done and, and inform them and, and allow them to ask questions about ask me, ask me why I'm doing something the way I'm doing it. Yeah. And I, I can appreciate that. And then the only thing, cause I get a lot of questions too. Sometimes the only thing I won't do is like, when I had the BMW, a lot of people would hit me and be like, oh, what do I need for an LS swap? I'm like, first of all, you need to leave me alone and Google it. Yeah. <laughs> like, they don't even, they don't even, like, what motor should I get? I don't, there's, pick one. I don't know. <laughs> get whatever you want. You know, and a lot of people yeah, will kind of. I mean, there is a, I, that's something I also love a lot is just researching stuff. Yeah, that's, and, I think that's what it is. Because I actually enjoy f- learning new things. Yeah, exactly. On my own. Yeah, and I think that there's, I think once you reach like a certain point in drifting, a lot of people are that way because obviously they can't get to, you can't get to a certain level of uh, being able to not just drive, but also like build and prepare your car um, mm. without doing some research. 
And going back a little bit, you know, you already, you had spoke about your first track day. Which track was that again? So I actually, the, all the drifting I've done is at Piedmont uh, Drift. It's uh, on, on Facebook if you want to look it up. And it's at Piedmont Dragway, which is in, I guess the closest big city would be Greensboro, North Carolina. And that's about an hour from me. Okay. So I'm really fortunate to have somewhere I can go super close and they have events every month. Yeah. So the first one was October 2016 and, oh, you know, I'm sorry. It was October, 2017. Um, and that was the first time I'd ever drifted my car period. Cause I'd never, the car, um, was street legal sometimes, but I really haven't had it, uh, registered in a while so I, I never like got to do any like the street drifter or anything like that so that was my first experience with trying to get the car sideways and everything gotcha and that's not really my thing either especially yeah, exactly street yeah. drifting. And that's another thing that i really am not a fan of is like all the street drifting and stuff just because like especially there's all these little drift events popping up and it's like i literally have to it's only like 40 or 50 bucks to do a whole day. You're not gonna have to worry about cops or crashing the stuff and, or whatnot. And you get to drive with all these other people that are way more experienced and whatnot. Yeah. And I think it's totally worth the 50 bucks. Yeah. To it's, ticket one day, at a, one day at the track, you know, is way better than you're going to get so much more seat time than you ever would like on the street at the night at night with your friends or whenever you guys decide to do it. Exactly. You know, I'm not super into that. I just think you can create more problems, especially right now in California. Like, people are getting pulled over for like for having stock exhaust because. Yeah, I heard about that. That's <laughs> crazy. Yeah, it's it's pretty nuts. So, it, what really sucks is like there's a lot of like uneducated people out there, both cops and civilians. So, an uneducated right. cop will just give you a ticket because he hears, you know, a certain tone come from your car, and he doesn't. Yeah. Cause that's like my, my dad's got a BMW M2 and I know that car stock is pretty loud. Yeah. So I think there was uh <laughs> so far there's been a stock M3, a stock M4 and a C7 vet. And they're completely wow. stock from my understanding. At least these are just rumors on the internet. I haven't right. seen like an actual post from somebody and a picture of an actual ticket. No, I, I definitely agree that I mean, I could see a M3, M4. I mean, they BMW does a good job with their stock exhausts. So, yeah, they sound good. Yeah. So that's crazy. I know, right? And then how long did it take you to link that track? Did you link it the first day or did it take you some time? Um, I think the first time I may have linked it like once or twice, but like really weekly, definitely not filling all the zones and everything. Um, and then after that, I, I took a couple months break because the next time I went back was 20 it was January and, and that time I was able to link the whole track. No problem. And that was actually between October and January. I built, uh, or I modified my knuckles. So that was, um, definitely like a big eye opener as far as like how a simple little change can really affect your whole driving experience. Yeah, definitely. What, um, and then you do all your own uh, fab work, correct? Correct. Yeah. So that's like one thing that I really enjoy and something that 
I've learned, and I think I got cut off before, but I worked in professional motorsports and off-road racing for two and a half years. Oh, okay. And that's where I learned all the skills pretty much that I use today to build my car. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. I thought you were just like, I don't know, some dude that worked in an office cubicle somewhere and welded. Yeah, on. so actually that it's funny. Now I do that. Like I, I've, I did like right out of college. Mm-hmm. Uh, we back? We back. I don't know what happened. Is Are you sure it's know. not you? It may be. I don't know. I'm on. Uh, I've got like five bars of. But I'm not. I'm on Wi-Fi and my daughter's watching uh, something downstairs on the TV. So yeah, it shouldn't be that. But I'm like, I'm upstairs right above the router. So yeah, I'm like right. I'm five feet away from mine. But uh, yeah, as, as I was saying, um, you work in a cubicle now, basically. Yeah, I work in a cubicle now. Um, what do you do if you don't mind but, me asking? So I'm a manufacturing engineer for te connectivity which is i don't know if you know like motorsports wiring at all but they um make like Deutsch connectors and all the like a bunch of different automotive wiring connectors oh, okay but including like everything like if you get like a mil spec harness like all those connectors are made by us like and then also if you just looked under the hood of like a any chevy ford um honda toyota a lot of those cars have our products in it and then just not the necessarily wire but the wiring connectors uh so we do we make manufacture everything but our like expertise is in the connectors so the molded plastic part and then also the contacts themselves yeah so it's kind of cool it's definitely like automotive related and there's a lot of people that I work with that are big car guys and car people. So that's really cool. Mm, Good to know. Yeah. But yeah, as I said previously, like working in the racing industry definitely gave me, I think a big advantage over a lot of other people because I got to experience and use all the like professional equipment and then also get accustomed to see like what a properly built, race car looks like because mm-hmm. i think that's like half the problem that sometimes people and it's it's definitely i mean i'm not saying that um it's like necessarily like a bad thing or i'm like oh i'm better than everyone else but that when you don't have like an example to go off of it's hard to really know what works and what doesn't yeah and i really didn't i didn't really pay attention too much to somebody else's car yeah because i didn't have a their car right in front of me but when i did see a right. car i would try to like grab an idea here and there or you know piggyback off of their idea or something yeah and something that really excites me too is that i i'm really impressed at how far like fd and like pro level cars have come i think that pretty much probably every single car in the field now is like built like a proper race car it's not just something thrown together that's going to look just as nice as like a touring car or off-road truck or something like that. Yeah. And that's kind of what the next goal, the goal is with my new car. Cause I don't want it to right. look like trash. Yeah, no, it's definitely, it definitely, uh, there's a lot of advantages to having something, uh, put together nicely. Agree. I think not just like, obviously you can be more reliable. It's going to be easier to fix if something goes wrong. And then also like 
sponsorship marketing wise, someone's going to be way more drawn to uh, support you if you have a really nice looking car and program and everything. Okay. So where or where are you sourcing tires? Are you just doing online or are you getting them locally from someone? Uh, so I haven't been able to get a tire sponsor. Um, I, w- I talked with a couple of companies, but nothing came through. And right now I'm just getting stuff all online. So hmm. I used um, Achilles last time. Which one? ATR Sport 2s. I love those. Those are my favorite tires. Which actually, like the funny thing, like they're super grippy, but my car is so light. Like they're way too grippy for my car. I, I have, like, love no... how much grip I got out of those things. I think I was running like yeah. 18 pounds. Yeah. Um, cold. And then on the bank at Irwindale, I was fine until right. I and wasn't what fine. S- uh, section, like how width are you running? 255. Okay. So um, nice. I plan on running the same tire next year. Right. I really liked it, but this car's a lot heavier now. Mm-hmm. So I might have to uh, make some major changes to like setup or just figure out a proper setup for this vehicle in particular. Right. So I think pro two there, two seventy five, right? Is that there? No, they're two fifty five yep. or two fifty five, thirty five, eighteen. That's the size. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I think some people run seventeens. Just don't quote me on that. I think you have to like petition to run seventeen because I was looking at the rules. I, um, I think you're allowed to run that in the front, but I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, and th- that would be the, obviously the only problem with me going to Pro 2 is like there's no way 18s would ever look good on my car, so I'd have to change chassis. Yeah, and I was, that's what I was going to ask you next. Like, What about, what's your, um, what are you planning on doing? Do you plan on running Pro-Am? Or are you just going to keep it more grassroots? So the, I definitely, my, my long-term goal, like I would say for 2020, I'm hoping I can do, um, at least one or two pro-am events. And then the seasons after that, like get to the full seasons of pro-am with obviously it'd be great to say like, I'm a pro two licensed driver. And actually one of my friends, uh, I'm going to drop a name right now, if that's all right. Um, that was at Virginia tech with me in the car club, Kenrick Meyer, he actually made it all the way to Pro 2. He competed in Pro 2 last year. Yeah, he drives the um, LS E36. Exactly, yep, yep. Yeah. So I um, I went to school with him. I have pretty good friends with him. So it's pretty cool to see like someone I personally know go from, like, I remember like going to the first like couple drift events. Uh, my roommate and Kenrick were the two that went from, they're probably like the two like active drifters in our car club. So we were going to Shenandoah Speedway in Virginia mm-hmm. to do it. And he had like a, I think an E46 M3 at the time, like totally stock. Uh-huh. And uh, my roommate Ben had a uh, S13 with a KA, uh, totally stock too. And then like to see him go from there to Pro 2 is is really exciting. Nice. And then did you ever do anything with him for Pro-Am or no? No, I didn't get a chance to, unfortunately. That was when I was working in racing myself and he uh he actually lives in pennsylvania so i don't get to see him that much just like whenever there's um i think the last time i saw him was hyperfest not this past year but the year before so it's been a while but i'm sure i'll see him this year gotcha and then what is the uh what's the pro-am series that's near you 
it's East 10 Drift. Oh, okay. That's so. I was gonna talk to those gentlemen. Hopefully soon we can get them on the show. Yeah, yeah, they seem like good people. I haven't gone to one of their events yet, but oh, okay. I've heard nothing but good things from what, the. Do you know where their rounds are? Like, have do you have any idea? Yeah, they're so they're split between Concord, North Carolina, and uh, I think Kentucky and Tennessee is where they do their events. So um, the south, but what's like the furthest from you? Oh, so the farthest would be probably Kentucky, I think, or Kentucky or Tennessee. One of those events would be because that's like much farther west. And I'm like an hour from Concord. So where okay. I live now in North Carolina. Gotcha. I don't know the area, so I'm just. Yeah, yeah no, I know it's yeah probably totally different than the West Coast. Yeah. And I then the to... other local, local-ish um, am series would be U.S. Drift, which I'm not sure like how active they are now i know last year they did that shootout at vir that uh brandon Sorensen won yeah and um that hyperfest which i'm planning to go to hyperfest this year i think the plan is don't quote me on this but the plan is they're gonna do like party drifting and not a competition which is pretty cool so I- i'm hoping that's the case because i'd like to just drive that track because it's a really fast high-speed track way different than anything i've driven before yeah, I think they might do it again. They might not. I, from my understanding, there's a rumor that there's gonna be one over here in California at uh, okay. at Sonoma Raceway. Oh, but that's nothing's been confirmed. Well, I, I guess it's kind of been confirmed, but there's no but details like the shootout yet. Style, like the yeah, there there would be a shootout style. I remember. I yep. forgot who I talked to about it. It might have even been someone that was on the show, but don't quote me on that. Um, yeah. <laughs> But I remember they were, I I think I emailed them. I think it right. was on Sonoma Drift's, um, their Instagram. Right. But hopefully they release some uh, some more details about that sooner. Yeah, definitely cool. if you can make your way up there, that would be a cool Oh, event. I would take my little happy ass up there if it's, yeah. <laughs> if it's like, you know, anytime past June, because that's when my car will be ready by. Right. I'll go up there. But if not, it's not happening. His, yeah, um, actually, um, one of my friends that I've just um, started doing some collaborations on YouTube with, he did uh, the shootout last year, and he said it was an awesome time. And he was in a uh, S13 Sylvia with, a, like, close to stock SR. Oh, damn. And, like, 15s and stuff, and, like, he was killing it. And people were super impressed with uh, how well he was doing but it was raining a lot. So I think that was definitely in his, his advantage. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that it did rain there at that event. Yeah. Like crazy. So, but the funny thing is, um, so VIR is like an hour and a half from me. Okay. And that's where my, uh, wife is from. So super convenient to, uh, go up to Hyperfest. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be nice. Sonoma's not anywhere near me. Yeah, I didn't think that's like probably four or five hours, right? For least. me, yeah, uh, a little bit, probably like, and so in California, we're not allowed to go faster than fifty-five. Yeah, no, I, I've been to, I've pulled trailers in uh, in California so a bunch with the it, off-road racing. So. Yeah, so it does suck ass, but right, that's pretty much it. So yeah, I think it's about six hours. Yeah, that's a that's a big haul. 
Yeah, I that'd think... be like me going to uh, somewhere up in Virginia to do events. Gotcha. Oh, and you know what? I just read my DMs. It was uh, just another competition series coming back. Oh, okay. Sonoma Drift. Like I, they didn't specify what it was, but the rumor was from somebody else about it being um... U.S. Drift. No, not U.S. Drift. Just the shootout style. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, U.S. Drift is run by Brian Eggert, which he's like somehow. Uh, I guess he used to be a judge for FD, right? I think. I. I mean, he's involved with all those like OG Formula Drift people somehow. In, uh, probably the fact that he runs a series. I, I'm honestly, I wouldn't. I'd be lying if I told you, if I gave you an answer, yeah. <laughs> if I knew or not. Yeah, I just know he's been around drifting for a long, long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So. And then, so, uh, since you already knew the, you already kind of had the background with the off-road stuff, did you already kind of have, like, a welder set up and stuff like that? So when you had the RX-7, you're like, well, no one's making this shit, so I'll make it. No, um, like, I had obviously been exposed to welding and, like, Mostly when I was working for the off-road team, I was the engineer, so I was actually doing all the design on the parts and then uh, running, like, we had a CNC water jet and plasma cutter. Mm-hmm. I ran those, and then I would just basically give those parts to the fabricators to to do the welding. So, but I had, I knew I always wanted to get into welding and, like, being able to build my own parts. So I... Um, just kept looking, researching on different welders, and I ended up with that Everlast that I have. It's the Everlast Power Arc 160 STH, mm-hmm. um, and I was originally looking for like a MIG welder, and I actually like borrowed some friends like uh, Flux Core welders to do some exhaust work and stuff. But like after doing that, I was like, "There's no way I'm going to spend money on something." that like produces welds that look as bad as these do. I might as well just make the jump all the way to TIG. Yeah. So last year I bought that TIG welder um, used on Craigslist and then just taught myself basically how to um, TIG weld. Hmm. And how long, and you said last year you bought that? Yeah. Last Christmas. Holy hell. And you've already, and how many, how many parts are on your car that you've made? Um, Let's see. So I've got the, the knuckles, mm-hmm. the, um, I extended my lower control arm, so I just cut them and welded in um, extra length on there. And mm-hmm. then I designed some drop brackets, which are just like a sheet metal piece that's cut, no welding there. And then I also um, did some lower links for the rear suspension because it's like a four-link solid axle. Mm-hmm. So I rebuilt the lower links with those... Um, threaded bungs and the rod ends and stuff that you saw. Oh, okay. Yeah. So not, so not a whole lot of stuff like, Oh, and I guess also I, um, the first thing I welded on the car was the radiator mount and the, uh, transmission cross member. And that was done with like a flux core welder, which worked. Okay. Um, hasn't broken yet. So, so don't change it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, no. The, the actual engine mounts, um, those are from Granny's Speed Shop. So I didn't 
build them. But if I was going to swap a car now, I would just go ahead and design and build the engine mounts because they're not very hard. Hmm. Now, I know I was looking at the ones on my BMW for the, the swap mounts. Right. And then I was like, damn, these things are like pretty simple. Yeah, they're just, I mean, it's really all comes down to like, if either you have like all the parts there to mock it up or, or whatever to put it together. Yeah, it's probably kind of hard to, uh, uh, getting it all level and everything, make sure your engine's leveled correctly. The car is level when you do it. You know, there's like a lot of variables that come into that. Yeah, yeah, and that's running. like, as a as an engineer, you. Those are I, things you I know out. how to take all that stuff into account and whatnot. Gotcha. Yeah, I know. I plan on making my own parts because uh, the guy who does make them. Or the company, rather. Seems like they're trying to get rich. Yeah, yeah, you definitely run into that because obviously once someone's invested some time or whatnot, they want to see some return on it. So No, and that's fine, but it's like, okay, you have $50 worth of material. Yeah, exactly. So Yeah, I like to uh, um, definitely like with the parts I've been selling is just make the minimal amount of profit um that I feel like my time is worth. Gotcha. No, and I'm not trying to sell anything. I'm just trying to make yeah. my own damn parts. Because <laughs> yeah. like my lower, no, I, I hear you. my lower control arms on the front are aluminum, so I can't extend those. Yeah, unless you build your own. Yeah, so that's the plan. It's to just build all cool. my own. Hey, can you hear me? No ring. It didn't even ring. It just like connected. <laughs> all right you good yeah yeah sorry okay. about that no worries man i got a little one too so well he's not so little anymore he's seven now yeah so how, how do your kids like the drifting um so my daughter she's four and oh. she's like super into it but i think mostly because it's like she's super into whatever i'm doing gotcha but, um she told me she wants a pink drift car when she's older. <laughs> so we'll see if that happens. That's nice. You, you know, uh, I started taking, I've, obviously I've been taking my kid. Coming on four years now, the first time he went, he was three. For like the right. first three years, he's like, ugh. And then like <laughs> the other day he asked me, he's like, uh, we haven't been to the track in a while. When are we going? And I was like, I was like, I don't know, man. <laughs> As soon nice. as we can. Yeah. I haven't even bought my tickets for um for FD Long Beach yet, so we'll see. Right. Yeah, you got to get them out there with a camera so you can start taking pictures, right? No. Nope. Something. Mm-mm. I don't do any of that stuff. No, but you could get him to do it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool if you wanted to do it. I got him a little iPhone for Christmas. Right. An, an old one, because I know he's going to yeah. lose it. So. <laughs> It's we'll see what he does with it. Right. But uh we were talking about drifting things. I think we were talking about like making your own stuff, um and whatnot. I know you Yeah. You're interested in uh making some like control arms and stuff, I assume like extended control arms. Mm-hmm. And cut your knuckles and all that. I am having somebody do that for me. Yeah, as far as like building stuff for my car, um, 
I'd say I'm all like self-taught, just a lot of like, I guess, observing. And that's uh-huh. another great thing too about like researching is like, I would, I'd watched like a bunch of videos and stuff about TIG welding and, and watched people show their technique and whatnot. And that definitely helped the learning curve a whole lot. Gotcha. And have you, what's kind of like the biggest thing you've learned? Uh, as in regards to welding, definitely welding. Yeah. Or just making your own things like making your own parts. I, I, I'd say that you want to always have like a solid plan before you go and like cut any metal or, or try to weld something together. Mm-hmm. I think that the more prepared you are, the better the outcome is going to be. Um, and and a, a tip like, so since I'm an engineer, I, I've done a lot of computer aided design. So I use SolidWorks to do a lot of my design, but you don't need that necessarily. You can just use like paper or cardboard templates is a great way to uh, like mock things up. And then you just transfer that paper or cardboard template over to metal and then cut that out and do whatever you need to do with it. Because like when you roll or bend a piece of cardboard, it's going to behave very similar to how a sheet of metal would. Mm -hmm. You know, I always have the issue with trying to, what is it? Like, make a good template. Like, if I'm trying to make, like, my, the firewall on the BMW, right. it's trash. Do you just keep cutting little by little until it's close? When to so, make a yeah, I, like, if I was going to build, like, a big firewall, like, you're, you're saying to, like, close the trunk area off from the um, the passenger, like, for FD rules. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you can just get, like, a, a bunch of different sheets of of cardboard and just like the more time you spend making the template Mm -hmm. um and like using straight edge and and stuff like that um the better it's going to end up like when you put it in metal Hmm. so like you're going to make like a gusset or something like really pay attention to make sure that the paper gusset fits really well so then that will ensure the metal one will fit just like the paper one gotcha and then like with sometimes I've noticed that um, obviously paper is a lot easier and cardboard, I would assume, is a lot easier to bend. Well, obviously it is. Um, but let's say there's like a small bend or it kind of, uh, what would you say? Uh, yeah, I guess it's a bend. Like it's not a completely flat piece of metal. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so not yeah, you have to be a little to careful because like cardboard can kind of conform like ways a me- piece of metal won't because yeah. metal won't shrink right when you're trying to go around mm-hmm. like a, a complex curve um that's why they have like shrinkers and stretchers to like so that's how they make complex curves with metal like sheet metal and stuff so i think that definitely try to get like eliminate any of those curves in mm-hmm. your design um, especially like when you're starting out, you want to make everything like as straight as possible, I would say. Yeah, definitely. I'm just trying to figure out how to actually. Yeah, I'm trying get... to think of like what you're trying to say as an example. I'm sure you have something in your head. I do. And I'm terrible at explaining things. So we'll move on. <laughs> okay. know, I'm really bad at trying to get out what I'm right. trying to put into words what's in my head sometimes. So it comes, that was a struggle to get out. So, 
it, it gets a little difficult sometimes, especially if I have no idea what I'm talking about, especially when it comes to fabrication. Right, right. <laughs> I don't know the verbiage. I don't know the terminology. I'm yeah. just screwed. Yeah, there's definitely like a steep warning curve, and I'd say that working in motorsports helped me out greatly in that because I, like, inter- I was interacting with the fabricators daily. Yeah, and then it's a little different over here since I don't know much. I had to ask. Yeah. I had to figure out what, like, a, I, I can't even remember the name. The tie rod ends, so when you do the adapters. What is it um, yeah, the tie rod adapters. Yeah, the adapter pieces so you, the, that go from, like, the... The heim joint, instead of it yeah. just being, like, a regular ball joint or something. Yeah. Yeah, I those are super, actually super hard to find, which uh, I've struggled finding those as well. Locally and, like, or just in general? Just in general. Um because I'm trying to make some for my car that go from 14 millimeter left hand mm-hmm. to uh, five eighths right hand, because and that's super hard to find because like all the steering rack cars mm-hmm. have um, only right hand threads. But since my car has a steering box still and a uh, pitman arm and um, a drag link, I have like my my tie rods are left and right hand thread threaded so you can adjust them easily oh so reverse thread rather just yeah, does yeah reverse that. thread yeah okay. left hand thread reverse thread yeah so i remember but, my jeep had those yeah yeah exactly so. yeah and that's another thing that makes the fb unique is that there's no steering rack it's a steering box just like a truck or a nascar or anything like that like an old muscle car mm, okay how much um, do you have like a dual caliper setup in the back? Uh, I don't yet. Or so I recently or... sold the stock rear end, which is like surprisingly strong. I never had any issues with it. Um, but I did end up buying a Ford 8.8 rear axle, which should be like super bolt proof for whatever power level I'm going to put into this car. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to design and build some dual caliber brackets for that i actually have like the willwood master cylinder and the mount for it. i just need to design a handle yeah and you, pull you don't you don't have like any concern with the um the c-clips inside that no i'm not i mean i, I know a lot of people like think that c-clips but like with the for the like the weight of the car mm-hmm. and like how big the axle is and everything. I don't think I'm going to have a problem. And I'm going to put a, like a, just a spool in it as well, a mini spool. So it'll be the same thing as a welded. Gotcha. Yeah, because I plan on putting a um, an 8.8 in mine, but I have an independent rear suspension, so I was going to get... So I think there's a, like a bit more of an issue with the independent and having the C-clips mm-hmm. because the... Um, if you don't have like your suspension set up right and the axle wants to uh, plunge or pull apart too much mm-hmm. as it goes through the travel, then I could definitely see like putting like too much force on them. But when you have like the fixed, like when you have a solid axle and that um, the axle shafts are fixed, um, really the brake caliper and the brake rotor are going to like hit before you pull up the C-clip, I think. Mm. Like, put enough force for it to break. Gotcha. Yeah, they make 
someone makes a kit right now for my car. That's a right. But they sell you everything. They sell you the axles, the drive shaft, which I don't need because I'm running a different trans. Um, right. <clears throat> the uh, the brackets to get it in there, and the actual diff itself with an LSD. But it's like five grand, and I don't. If I'm gonna spend five grand, I I'd rather put a, a quick change in there and spend the extra money on having to have somebody. Um, do the work for me or I figure the work or I do the work myself and just kind of figure it out. The So is it like a 10 bolt that's in their stock? I don't know. No, it shares the same diff as the uh, Saturn Sky and Pontiac Solstice. Oh, yeah. I remember you saying something about that. So it's actually I got obviously uh, yeah. on borrowed time. It's basically trash uh, and yeah. made a it's. They're pretty much made out of glass. I remember when I had my first one, like, like 10 days after I got it, I was pulling into my um, my apartment, and I lived kind of like on an incline, going up a bit of right. a hill. And I'm waiting for my gate to open, and then I hit the throttle, you know, to rev it up a little bit. And I pull up, and all I heard was a big old clunk. And then, like, a few seconds later, I just smelled gear oil. I was like, oh, awesome. And the thing just, just broke the stub shaft? No, it broke the diff. That's just what they do. Wow, that's crazy. Mm-hmm, unfortunately. But I have uh, kind of like, that was like the first generation one. So I kind of bought mm-hmm. a later generation. So it has like a little bit more webbing within the uh, cast aluminum. Right. Supposed to be a little stronger. Uh, hopefully it works out. Yeah, I know like there's a lot of guys that run the, um, like in the V8, rx7 world that run the ford explorer 88 in their fcs and fds uh, with a kit from ronin speedworks and like they have no issues at all so yeah. i don't think you'll have an issue in your car it definitely just a matter because there's pretty it in stout there. yeah yeah they're definitely a stout like gear set yeah there's some guy who's running a, a cadillac too and he's pushing like a thousand horsepower and right. uh <clears throat> He hasn't broken anything yet. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So we'll see how that works out. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Let me know if you need any pointers on that as far as designing the or modifying the subframe to accept your your new diff. Yeah, I'll definitely be asking questions. Um, Have you ever even been to a Pro-Am event? Um, No, I haven't. It's funny, like, so I worked in racing, but I never, like, I've never really been to a motorsports event, period, to, like, spectate at all. It's pretty funny. Because all the, all the events I've been to, like, I've been working at them. Oh, so, shit. Yeah. Yeah, and there's no FD events remotely close to you that are drivable. The closest would be Atlanta, which it's, like, a four-hour drive. Okay, that's not terrible, but so, you don't want to... No, it's not terrible. Um, I have seen... So the one event I have gone to is Hyperfest. Mm-hmm. I've gone twice. So obviously the pros... Like, I've seen the pro and pro two guys there um, and whatnot. But I've never been to, like, a pro-am event. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. 
I think this year I'll definitely make it to one since my buddy's competing. Yes. And then who was your friend that was competing again? Is Eric Norman. Um, I think you, on YouTube you can find him, Eric Norman. Does he have Instagram? Awesome. Yeah, I forget what it is, though. And then uh, what is your take on, like, me- social media? Like, how do you feel about it? Like, I'm so not a huge think, fan. I do it because I have to, mostly. Yeah, I think that it's definitely, like, a really great marketing tool. Um, but I know some people get, like, way too involved in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, like, I do like YouTube, though. I think that, um, obviously, like, everyone else, I've I've learned how to do things. Like, oh, I don't know how to do something, look it up on YouTube. But then also, like, I really enjoy seeing other people's like builds and stuff that they do and like i think you can get to a level of detail on youtube you can't on other social media sites yeah with like a long video on instagram yeah and it's also definitely helped me out like i haven't even competed yet but i've been able to get um like nine or ten sponsors this year or yeah in 2018 um and that are going to continue with me um and I think that's all because of social media. And they're aware that, you know, you're not currently competing and that you, right, but right. you have and intentions really, to do so. Yeah. And, and the way I pitched it was like, I'm going to be creating this content gotcha. for YouTube, like showing you how to do certain things with, with their products and showing them on a unique car and um, with like a big DIY centric um, focus. And then like also like a, a focus on high quality um, as well. That's that's different. Hmm, not the that's something to think about. Cause like I personally, I'm not a fan of YouTube. Um, right. You know, I all YouTube videos are the same. Like I watch my my son watches a lot of YouTube. Yeah. And he watches people play video games. You know, like I notice like people kind of have they all kind of have the basic same editing style. Mm-hmm. They'll make a reference or something, and then they'll throw like a short clip of it in there. And I, I, at least from what I've noticed, yeah, I think that you nearly need to find like a niche to work in. And since I have like such a unique car, that kind of lends itself mm-hmm. um, to a niche. Like there's I, there are some other people now that want to drift FBs, and but there's just not a lot of info. So when they're researching, they find my videos, um, which is is extremely helpful for you. Yeah, exactly. At least your social media growth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do agree. Like I'm not a big fan of like the vloggy type videos that all right. Oh, and then like, it's got like clickbait or whatever. It's like, Hey, watch me do like this drifting or whatever. And it's like eight minutes of them doing anything but drifting. And then like a minute or 30 seconds at the end of them actually doing something. Yeah, and then like I'll watch how-to videos. I've actually I yeah, like how-to those. videos are good. Um, and I just like my go- my goal kind of is just to show people like how I do things. So like obviously they see my car at events or whatever on other media, and like the YouTube's giving the the full backstory of how I made it happen. Yeah, no, definitely, and th- that's like something I I tried to do. I made one video. And right. I'll probably delete, probably go on my YouTube now and delete it. I just it wasn't it's just not for me. I don't like the camera. I don't like some. Yeah, there's definitely like a big 
learning curve. So I started in July of 2018. Um, so it's been almost six months now. And I've definitely gotten like a whole lot more used to being in front of the camera and talking and whatnot. And, Cause it was definitely awkward, like hearing your voice and stuff at first, but it, you get used to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got used to it with the, with the podcast on the hearing the voice part. I was like, let's see how this goes. Cause I don't know what I'm doing, but you still there. Yeah. You, I heard you say you get used to it. Yeah. Yeah. You get used to it. Um, and like another thing too, like I'm like real into is like the whole marketing side of, of drifting. Cause obviously it's not just about your driving anymore. Um, it's about the car too. And then also about the marketing. Um, because I was actually, I'm, I'm really surprised at how like successful I was at getting companies to get on board with me um so quickly yeah i think that all kind of boils down to just having like a good presentation um and that stems not just from like what you're sending to them physically but like your social media package and how your car looks and everything yeah having a nice looking car is kind of a a major deal when you happen to when you're looking for sponsors no one wants a sponsor a shit box yeah, exactly. You know, so. drifting is a lot about style, and, and style could be used in. There's so many, so much different style. I can't think of the word I'm looking for right now, but um, you know, there's a style as far as how you're styling your car, how are you driving your car, right? Uh, you know, yeah, and you, you need to be. I think like so many people like don't take it seriously enough, especially like a pro am. So I think that if you can present yourself in like a professional, serious manner, like just like you would be like if you're in like pro one or whatever, or at work. then you're a lot more successful. Yeah. And then for some people, they just don't want to. And that's cool, too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously, not everyone has to get a bunch of sponsors and whatnot. I mean, yeah, and some, some like, people don't even want to compete. And that's really cool, too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really understand the whole stigma between grassroots and, and competition and whatnot. If you want to compete, compete. But every person who competes does grassroots events. Yeah, exactly. I don't know a single person that that is like, no, I'm not here to drift for fun. I'm only doing yeah, competitions. Yeah. Like, I don't know a single person that says that. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, the more people that drift, the bigger it's going to be and the more exposure and whatnot. Here. I mean, it's going to be better for everyone. So, Yeah, I think just do what you want to do. Exactly. Stop shitting on other people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just I just can't get used to YouTube. That's the only thing. That's why I just kind of stay away from it. Like people are like, "Go look at my videos," and I'm like, "It's not you." Yeah. It's, it's all of not you. For I mean, it's... <laughs> yeah. It it's just yeah. It's definitely not for me. Like if there's a how-to video and I need to learn how to do something, I'm gonna watch that. Yeah. Like I yeah, fixed no, my I think, dryer I think yesterday. That you still. Um. I mean, maybe at some point, maybe like the, the pro guys, you need to have some YouTube presence as well. But I think that you can build a good pro-am program on just Facebook or Instagram or something and not, you don't have to have a YouTube channel. No, I think when you're getting to the to the professional side, you kind of need something extra. But yeah. if you're just doing pro-am, I don't think you need, either, you, don't need, you don't even need a damn Instagram. No. You know. Something out there for everybody. Some people don't yeah, like using um, social media at all. Like I have a few friends that are like, I don't use that shit. 
Yeah. I was like, okay, that's fair. So what is your plans for this off season or when's the last time you drove actually? So last time I drove was November. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, so they have events every month. Um, and I don't know how it is in probably somewhere in California cause it stays pretty temperate throughout the whole year. Mm-hmm. But, um, I am taking some time to do, make some pretty big changes. So the, um, on the front, I sold my, like the stock FB suspension stuff. Okay. And I'm going to be building new control arms that I can use FC RX7 knuckles on and coilovers. Okay. Um, and the advantage there is kind of gets into like the whole um, like suspension geometry, but it's going to be able to basically what it allows me to do is run um, less caster. And then also um, I had to run like spacers to clear um, the suspension in the front with the big wheels I had. So I won't have to do that anymore. So I'll reduce my weights to like a more. I'm sorry, produce what? Uh, reduce the scrub radius. So basically when you have like a bunch of spacers or like a super low offset wheel, mm-hmm. the, um, as like the suspension goes through its travel, the actual like width of the, they, they call it track width, but the width of the car with the tires is going to change more than if you had, um, less offset and that just has to do with the relationship between where the ball joint is compared to where the center of the contact patches on the tire mm. you know um, i have not gotten to that much depth with yeah i don't know how much like you've gotten into suspension that's like nope. something that that's something i actually kind of wanted to push myself to learn this year was kind of right. really understand uh suspension and basically learn geometry because i never took it in high school Right. <laughs> so I think that's something I'm going to be looking forward to or not necessarily looking forward to, but definitely trying to look into so I can have a better understanding. Yeah, no, it's definitely, it definitely, uh, I think will help you as a driver too. Cause you'll understand how, like when you make certain setup changes or like steering input changes, how that affects the, the tire, um, and its relationship and the grip with the, the track. Do you keep data or notes of any kind? Uh, I keep some notes, like setup notes. Um, that's something I've like actually like kind of slacked on, unfortunately. Um, and something that I want to do better this year mm-hmm. is like, like go out when I go to a drift day, like have a very specific set of setup changes I want to make. And I'll make like three or four laps on each and take notes and, and compare them. So I know like what, um, what the changes do to my car. Gotcha. Um, cause before it was just like more all just about getting as much seat time as I can and just like making an adjustment if it felt good, just keep going with it. So I think that's one thing I want to focus on too, is taking notes. Cause yeah, I would just change useful. something and be like, cool. Yeah. Did it work? Yeah, and I should know that coming from like doing actual racing, but. Yeah. I got lax on yeah, that. Yeah, man. You have no excuse, dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and yeah, what do you run for car setup as far as like your caster and camber and tow and all that? Do you know? 
So I don't know if you missed the last part when I was like, I need to learn that. <laughs> now, uh, last year I didn't have any adjustment on my caster. So who knows? Um, right. At least in the front or rear, actually. I just ran the stock lollipops that the BMW comes with. Okay. But I know there was positive caster. I know that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know exactly what it was uh, measured at. I ran four and a half um, camber up front negative. Yep. And anywhere from zero toe to a quarter of an inch out toe. Uh, just kind of in depend. the front. Yeah, in the front. Okay. The rear was not adjustable as far as the toe goes. I had the stock bushings in there and the trailing arms, so it didn't mm-hmm. allow me to run a toe in. But I think right. I remember, if I remember correctly, it was like a quarter inch toe out. Uh, positive 0.5 camber. Okay. And then um, like 18 pounds of pressure in the rear. Right. And So you are mostly making like pressure adjustments. Yeah, and then some um, dampening adjustments, but which isn't much. Mm-hmm. So you know, a click or two here and there. Yeah, I had non-adjustable suspension previously, so um, I'm excited to put adjustable suspension on the front to see how that affects things. Um, Who are you going to be running? Uh, ISC suspension. They're one of my sponsors. So. Oh, nice! Excited. I remember yeah, reaching it's... out to them about the my BMW. They're like. No, we don't do that. <laughs> this was like two years ago, though, when I was building right. the car. They're like, we don't do that. Um, but I'll give you 10% off. Right. Or something like that. And I was like, hmm. I'm gonna... Yeah, now they run, um, they've got a couple 350Zs, I think, I... that they kind of have like as a team car set up um, with like WiseFab and stuff. Oh, nice. Because they have a couple of guys that work there, I think, do some Pro-Am and then they're sponsoring um, like three or four pro-am drivers. So, yeah, there's only um, there's only a handful of people that make coilovers for my car. So, yeah, I, I would think so. But luckily, Phil is one of them. Oh, nice. Yeah. Did you so, talk to Odie? Uh, yeah, I run Phil's in my last. I don't really talk to him. I I paid him right. for my last set. <laughs> right. But we don't. I don't know him like that. Um. But if I see him at the track, like, and I have a question, I'll, I'll always ask him because he's a wizard yeah, when it like comes to like that. Yeah, he's super helpful. To, yeah, he is. Likes to help. He'll always um, answer a question, especially if you're another driver. I don't, I don't know about like a fan base type deal. Yeah. Um. But uh, field suspension makes the set fully adjustable, and you could upgrade those to like their four four two setup. Or yeah, is it yeah four four two? set up if you wanted which i'd have no plans on doing anytime soon right. <laughs> that's even if i go with them bc racing the only thing bc racing though is they use the stock top hats so once you get right. it, you're only allowed to use a 12k spring up front there okay. is no there's no adjustment on that right megan racing yeah bc it seems like they make good stuff um i know my buddy kendrick is sponsored by them yeah um they... so and I like Chelsea a lot too. He's seems like he's um, super knowledgeable and obviously a a good person to have in the sport. Yeah, that's from what a style's perspective. That's the stuff I'm trying to get an understanding of more of, of how certain things react and what you can do to make yeah. them better. 
I know something right. is limiting you on the suspension. Yeah, I know as far as like from an off-road standpoint, like I did some suspension stuff as well with them that um, like your springs, they're only there to set your ride height, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And then you want to use your dampers to control how the car reacts. Gotcha. Because that's like much more controllable than like a spring. That would make sense. Maybe. If I yeah, understood. so I don't know. I haven't gotten to like big into like revalving and stuff, but I do have some ideas I may play around with um, on that, depending on how my car feels. Yeah, I've, and I've reached out to like most of the companies to see if they want to work with me. One's interested, but right. I just let them know that I will not be able to run the first round. So right. I'm kind of waiting for a. Uh, a response back to see if they're still, you know, willing to work with me. Yeah, no, that that's definitely good that you're keeping open communication. I think that's like once you get a sponsor, you still need to communicate with them. And that's something I do with my sponsors is after each event I go to, I'll send them pictures, send them the YouTube video that was the recap and all that. So oh, nice. they can see what I'm doing. It's a good tip. Definitely, especially for sponsors. I think that's one thing I lacked last year a lot. With VMR, because right. I have VMR Wheels as a sponsor, I never, I didn't, wouldn't say never. I just, I guess I didn't get the response I was looking for from them when I would send right. in, um, like, I mean, I, I, even pictures. if you don't get anything, just keep sending it in because, um, I know that's who knows. Maybe that's they... one thing. It was kind of a little discouraging. So I think that's, but once I told them, like, hey, I wrecked the car, I'm building a new one, they're like, awesome. Let us know if you need more wheels. You know no, that I mean? works. So, and, and that was kind of like, I was like, oh, okay. I thought they were about to drop me. You right. Know, but I guess not. Well, that's so. good. They're still willing to work with you. I mean, <clears throat> I think that's where you really, and that's why I wanted to start getting sponsors now is like, obviously I'm going to be loyal to those brands that yeah. were the first couple to to support me. So, and then once they get in now, they know that, as I grow, they can grow with me. Yeah, definitely. That's always something to look forward to. Yep. Especially once you start like gaining like a little bit better of like, you know, you still want your professional relationship, but like almost like maybe not a major personal relationship, you know, but something. Yeah, no, I mean, definitely like I haven't even met any of these people face to face because they're scattered all around the country, but I'm hoping like I know Hyperfest ISC is going to be there. So that'd be really cool to, hang out with them and drive with them and everything. Definitely. Get, get that personal relationship started. Yeah. And that's something that, that's something I want to do, you know, like grab a beer or something. Yeah. Well, not necessarily with all of them. But, right. You know. No, but yeah, but I would think that like, cause obviously with the drift league and everything, I would think a lot of those companies are bringing like uh, some sort of vendor booth or something or racer support. I would, I would think. Uh, we don't know yet. Uh, they haven't, she hasn't, Rathina, or the, mm-hmm. the woman who runs the, uh, series, she hasn't released too much yet. She just released okay. the schedule. Um, yeah. So we'll find out. I, I don't know if she got more sponsors, if last year's sponsors are going to continue to sponsor this year as well. Right. Um, cause I know that's like something that East 10 does is they, um, 
will have vendors like you can rent space as a vendor at all of their events including like the pro-am rounds to um so you if like you are selling merchandise or something whatever you can rent space for that which is kind of cool damn i didn't know that yeah so i don't know if that's a good idea if Hmm. she wants to use that yeah that's it's probably not a bad idea i think i remember um like last year when I went to my first prom event at Just Drift, I remember where I parked. They're like, "Oh, this is for vendors," and then uh, I think there was like one vendor there, right. so everything <laughs> else just became parking. Yeah, it's definitely hard to uh, put on an event. So I understand, like, if you don't have like twenty vendors show up and and whatnot, because it is, after all, just a a bunch of people out there mostly doing it for fun. Gotcha. So, but alrighty, man. I think I'm gonna end it here. It's getting uh, sounds good. Oh, it's like nine thirty your time, man. Yeah, yeah, it's getting late. Holy so. hell! But uh, thank you for being on the show. I appreciate it, and thank you for all the information. And I'll definitely be yeah, bugging no. you more at a later date when I need help trying to figure shit out for my suspension. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks yeah. for uh, having me. It's yeah. great to talk to you, and yeah, yeah, definitely feel free to uh, hit me up whenever you have a question or or whatnot. I, I definitely want to give back to this community as much as I can. So that's even anyone listening, if they have any questions, reach out to me. Sweet man, let me know. Alrighty then, you have a good night, sir. And then one more time, uh, your name and where people can find you. Yeah, uh, so it's Andrew Robertson, and I am the Drifting Dad on social media it's pretty easy someone will forget <laughs> yeah and then can i shout out maybe some of my sponsors too of course all right so definitely a big thanks to everyone that supports me um and let's see mst wheels clinched fender flares odyssey battery mishimoto rod and supply Alpha Water Jet Cutting, ISC Suspension, NRV Graphics, and Hawk Performance. So thank you guys for all the support. And uh, go check them out if you you don't follow any of them. They've got some pretty cool stuff. Awesome, man. And thank you again, dude. You have a good night. Yeah, you too. Bye. Bye. That's the end of the show. Thank you for listening. Uh, Once again, my name is Gerald Hernandez. Find me at Gerald underscore Hernandez and be sure to follow Drifting Pro-Am on Instagram at Drifting Pro-Am. Thank you.